What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast, or welcome back if you have been listening for a while now. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. On today's episode, I sit down and chat with the co-founders of Daily Drills, which was so fun because not only are they closer in age to most of you guys who are listening, but they also dive into business and starting a brand, which I think is more relatable for those of you who ever have curiosity to, to start something on your own and you want to kind of hear the behind the scenes of 
maybe certain steps that they took prior to being able to launch this or other internships or past experiences because I believe that's very important to understand about people is what are some of the past experiences or failures or lessons learned from the past that enabled them to create something more successful today which is what we talk about a lot but then of course we also chat about other elements like dating and relationships one of them is married and the other one is in a relationship and as most of you guys know I always look at people from a holistic lens knowing that they are more than just their quote-unquote paper success or career success there are other elements in life that bring fulfillment to us and a big part of that is relationships so a little bit about daily drills and the co-founders daily drills is the new lifestyle destination for transitional pieces that effortlessly move you through every moment in style in 2020 amidst a global pandemic best friends and entrepreneurial spirits kennedy and mary ralph spotted a niche space in the ever-growing leisure industry it was obvious to the duo that shoppers were getting more selective with their purchasing decisions in apparel with only one use case, no longer held appeal for savvy, sustainability-driven consumers who needed their closets to work harder. Their Daily Drills logo, which sits fiercely on their signature pieces, has been the symbol of their mission, simplifying getting dressed and blurring the lines between workout wear, lounge wear, business wear, and everything in between. And before we dive into the episode, I do want to preface the audio might be a little bit harsh. Um, especially if you are listening with AirPods or earphones and it's going directly in your ear. So maybe turn the volume down a little bit. I'm not 100% sure though. I'm just putting out there. If it's not harsh, then that's great. Continue listening. Um, but yeah, if anything, I always like to listen when I'm like doing laundry or, you know, around my house, things like that. So typically I listen to podcasts more so just on speakers. Um, in that case, it doesn't really go directly in my ear, but just wanted to add that as a preface just in case. So anyways, enjoy this conversation. It is a super fun one and let's dive into it. Kennedy and Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to chat about your guys' journey and your backgrounds. So how about we start off with like some context, give some insight into where you guys are from, how you guys met, how everything really began. <laughs> I'm Kennedy, and this is Mary Ralph. Hi, um, Ralphie, Ralph, <laughs> Mary Ralph, whatever you want to call her. But we're best friends and business partners. Um, long story short, we were kind of both in different but similar spaces. I was in the marketing world; she was in influencer strategy and social media. We had always kind of talked about different business endeavors, and we basically had a friend who had had extra fabric, and we were kind of both like, okay, let's just take it and start something. So we originally started Daily Drills thinking that it was going to be an active wear line, and we were going to make black leggings and black biker shorts, but we realized that we both definitely have a strong sense of fashion and love that space a little bit more. So we've since pivoted. Um, we're only a year and a half old, so we started mid-pandemic, which is just crazy to see how much we've grown and expanded over the course of the last year and a half. But it's so fun. So Daily Drills is what we do full-time now, and it's our baby. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, where'd you guys grow up? Where'd you guys go to school? All of that. Because you guys are in your, like, mid-late 20s, so you guys are still really young, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm 25. Ken is 26. Um, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and then um, I moved to California. We both live in LA now, but I went to Pepperdine, 
and lived my best life for four years there. I wish I still lived in Malibu. It was the best um, and felt like I made so many friends there and just had the best community. It's funny. We, Ken and I always talk about it, like doing daily drills and doing new business adventures. It's crazy how many people, one of our photographers, one of our graphic designers, those people that you went to school with and made those connections with it now, like help you in your life and what you're doing. And you do that to them. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing. So definitely found our community in LA, which is fun. And Ken has sort of a similar story moving yeah, out here. Yeah. So I'm from Washington state, kind of more of like a small town, like a hour south of Seattle. So I definitely wanted that big city atmosphere. And I loved LA. We always visited growing up. So I went to Loyola Marymount, which is right by LAX, studied mm-hmm. communications there. Um, but really like, started to dip my toes into the marketing space with internships and just stuff like that. Um, so I've been here now for whatever, eight years, I think I'm not. It's on so crazy um, to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forced my husband to move out here as well because I just love LA and it's, I mean, I think it's the best place to live. Um, obviously a little biased, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you guys. I lived, I was also a transplant. I moved from Pennsylvania. So East coast to the West coast. And as I mentioned, I went to Chapman. So was out there for a while, but now I'm in New York city, but second uh, place for me. Best place. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we always want to move. We're like, should we? And then we go and it's cold, but it's so much fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, no, there's, there's always so much to do here, but LA for sure is like, you know, up there for me as well. What was your first job out of college? Like, I definitely want to paint a picture for the audience. Like how'd you guys get to doing this? Cause I, I did some research. I obviously saw you guys kind of started this like around the pandemic time, which is a very interesting time to like start new venture and whatnot but what were you guys doing prior yeah so like I said I was in the marketing space I mainly worked in the CPG space which is like consumer products and food specifically so I worked um the last job that I had before daily drills I was working at a plant-based protein company helping them with their marketing strategy and then I also had a few freelance clients that I was doing some copywriting and strategy for so definitely more on the startup side of marketing. Like I never worked for a big company or corporation, um, had always seen things from like, you know, the startup, like I'd be higher number three, um, which is really cool. I feel like that gave me the courage to definitely step out and start my own thing. And actually my first internship, um, was with a brand, another like food consumer products, um, focus brand, but the two founders actually had dropped out of college, like one from Stanford, one from another school to start the business. So I think it also just like gave me a little bit of hope that like, oh, I could do it too. And it kind of set the stage for us quitting our jobs and like putting all of our eggs in one basket to start something that we believed in. Um, and I was kind of similar to Ken. We both had a lot of internships throughout college. And I feel like that's something that really helped and shaped us and kind of was gave us the confidence to be able to start something young because similar, both of us had a similar circumstances that we worked for younger founders or people that believed in themselves and did it quote unquote younger than the average. Um, but I worked for Bumble all of college, right? When they first launched and when they first started, I did their Bumble honey program, which is their college ambassador program and ran their social channels, um, which was super fun. And it was crazy to be there when they were blowing up in the beginning and through all of that. Um, and I think that kind of gave me my confidence in social and, and a startup culture. And then right when I graduated college in 2019, I have a twin sister, Lyle, um, and we started a social media agency. So we 
did social for a few companies in LA and Austin, kind of from that experience that I had gotten from Bumble, um, transitioning that to other clients that were maybe smaller, just starting. I love that. I love the like first two years. I think that's my favorite part of a company, like before the HR, before all the systems and processes, like the fun part, I think is what it is. Um, so doing social for them. And then um, it's funny to look back. Ken and I both had our own little businesses too. Ken had a sweater line for a second. I had like a all growing up, I like made duct tape headbands and sold them on the playground. I made t-shirts with like Instagram captions on them in middle school. So we always had like that kind of background. Um, so Kim came to me with an idea about starting daily drills and I just said yes, but I feel like I feel like we had always circulated business ideas. And so it wasn't that hard to just kind of jump to the next thing, you know? You guys, I've been drinking Magic Mind for months now, and I have to say, it's freaking gold. I mean, it literally tastes so good that I sometimes drink it twice a day, which, by the way, nothing wrong with doing so, but they do recommend only one a day. So that goes to show how much I do really love this stuff. And I did drink one before starting my workday today. So why I love Magic Mind so much is because it actually makes me feel really calm and focused and it's also that perfect push that gets me into my flow state which is what it's meant to do. And I'll share a few key facts and ingredients in this product. So it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee. If you drink coffee for energy and focus, I personally don't. I like to drink Magic Mind with my coffee or just after because the morning coffee and just making coffee, like I just don't want to give that up. It also helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And the best part, it is all natural ingredients, including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been thinking about it for a while, I highly recommend you give this a try. It comes in a box of 15, and it's definitely the perfect amount for the month. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Enjoy. Yeah, from your guys's like your individual ventures, did you have specific lessons that you learned from them? Because I think as well, a lot of people like they don't really see those behind the scenes of like what you yeah. like those learning steps, like leading up to daily drills, for example, like would you, I don't, I don't like the word failure either, but would you consider those ventures like certain like strong lessons that business lessons, especially that like parlayed over into daily drills? Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like everything that we've done kind of led us to where we are. Like, even like I was saying, I worked in the food space, obviously so different from fashion, but I learned so many things, whether it's leadership dynamics or, um, how to brief a creative, all of those negotiation contracts, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So it's super interesting. I would also say with those like mini ventures, one of my quotes since I think it was in college is basically that failure isn't like missing the mark. It's not trying at all. So for me, I kind of always reframed things as just like, if I don't try something that I know in my gut I'm supposed to do, like that is failure. Mm -hmm. So for instance, with that sweater line that I did before daily drills, it was the first time I'd ever started my own business. And it gave me so much, it laid so much of the groundwork for how do I create a Shopify? What do I need for sales tax? All those kind of things. And mm -hmm. while I wasn't obsessed with the, the final results of the product and I, I it wasn't the right, um, 
like team dynamic and all of that, it gave me the confidence and the boldness to reach out to Ralph when there was extra fabric and ask if she wanted to join um, me in doing that. And so I guess all that to say, like, I really do think you kind of collect bits and pieces of information throughout all of your experience. That's why I always say, like, if you want to start your own brand, just intern, work for free, get a job, like doing the most humble task, because you're going to, what you, the rooms that you sit in and the people that you're around are going to influence you. And you're going to carry that with you to whatever you do. If it's five years later or 10 years later, um, it'll kind of be in the back of your mind. I love that. And I think too, like I was always afraid I worked for a dating app. Like I don't want to start a dating app. I don't want to be in that world forever. You worked for a food company yeah. and you're really into nutrition and food, but that's not like your biggest passion. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, even if the, the content of the job or the company that you're working for isn't exactly where you want to be. Like if you're not working in fashion, but your dream is always to have been a stylist or to be a designer. Mm-hmm. When you work for other people that aren't even in that industry, you're learning so much that transitions over. So kind of, if you're not where you want to be currently, it, it is laying the groundwork, like you said, for where you want to be. Like all of the things I can look back and see the silver lining through mm-hmm. all the little small and bigger jobs mm-hmm. that I've had. And I just love that at 25, I'm able to look back and be like, Oh, that's why I was there. Like, yeah. Oh, I learned this from there. Even like how to do a Google a yeah. spreadsheet and like a, a, you know, Google doc and all these different things that you learn from the random job that you had right. at, at your college, you know, speaking of daily drills, um, it's obviously in an industry that some might consider is like saturated, right? In kind of like the athleisure slash like, I guess, um, fitness apparel in, in a way, right? Did that fear ever come across to you guys? Like, did that ever occur? Like, oh, this is a really saturated market or like, how do we compete with, um, I don't know, like, let's just say Lululemon. Like, how do we like, you know, compete mm-hmm. with that? Like, yeah. first off, did that ever occur to you? And secondly, if so, how did you overcome that mental battle like competing within that market yeah I think it's interesting um Ken really has taught me this as well but I think that we both come from the space that no one's us and no one can do what we can do and there's also room for everyone um we have even friends like most of our friends in LA it's pretty crazy have started their own business or have their own brand or have their own label or their own wine brand Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how many girls our age are starting businesses and I think it just goes to show that there is room for everyone. Yeah. And fashion's hard. Like it was hard at the beginning. It took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of everything that we had. So every person that does it, I'm like, good for you. Cause I know exactly how hard yeah. it is. I was there. So it kind of makes me like look up to other people that are trying to get in it because I know if I would have known how many like troubles and and speed bumps we would go through getting here like I would have been a little more scared but thank god I I was a little more naive and it kind of worked out in our favor um but I think that we've had that that or that disposition that there is room for everyone and yeah um, so it wasn't too scary at the beginning I would agree also we didn't give ourselves a lot of time to really sit and think like do we want to do this it was like I said okay Ralph like there's extra fabric she came she herself as an influencer has a really cult like following was selling like crazy. And I was like, Ralph, I would literally invest all my money in you. Like you just need to start a brand because your followers want to buy from you. They want to lean into you. And so I think we just kind of like ran with that and, and didn't so much think about, we also didn't necessarily like, obviously we had big vision and high hopes or we wouldn't have started it, 
but we weren't like thinking three years in, in advance. We thought we were going to be fulfilling out of her apartment for the, for the first yeah. two years. Like we weren't, we didn't think we would be able to hire anybody. We didn't even think we'd be able to have an intern. So yeah. it's just like, we kind of had those blinders on. We're like, let's just do it because this is something we're both excited about. We know we can sell product. Um, we just didn't, we didn't anticipate it scaling so quickly. So I think if we would have like sat down and been like, okay, we want to make, like, we literally joked. We're like, we're, with our accountant, we're like, okay, we're going to make a million dollars this year. We're going to, we're going to do a million dollars. We did over a million dollars in sales in our first year. And it's just funny because we laughed about it. But if we had like sat down and been like, okay, we have to make a million dollars this year. I think there would have been so much pressure on it. And we, we just let it be fun. And I think too, we weren't like, okay, here's our five-year business plan. And we need to be Lululemon by this time. Yeah. This time we didn't compare ourselves. And I love that quote comparison with the thief of joy, because yeah. if we were comparing ourselves to, um, a set active, a Lululemon, a, you know, all those different smaller and bigger brands. And, you know, you feel like you missed the mark over and over, yeah. or maybe you feel that in that inflated sense of inflated confidence, because maybe you are doing better than them in year one, but the year two doesn't look as good. So just kind of keeping to yourselves and like, this is what's working for us. We're going to be daily drills and very different from yeah. all of them. I think really played to our favor. Agreed. So well said. Yeah. <laughs> you guys mentioned too that you didn't necessarily have like a five-year business plan, but you you were kind of like, you, you made a decision. You didn't think too much into it, which I've always seen has been helpful for me in, in all of my ventures is like taking action instead of thinking and planning too much. But how do you, how do you combine that? Like, okay, action steps, but also like strategizing one or, you know, like per quarter or like for the next year, right? How did you combine both of that? Like any advice for those that want to be able to implement more action quickly, but then also still understand how to think and strategically plan long-term? Mm, that's a great question. I think we're definitely getting better at that. At the beginning, there honestly wasn't a lot of strategy or like if there was strategy, it would be the night before a drop. And still we'll be like with this two drops ago, we gave away tickets to Paris and we Ralph thought of that like the night before. So I, I definitely think there is like a sense too of being culturally relevant. You have to be quick on your toes. So you can only plan so much. And then the other half is really like, understanding like the pulse of culture and marketing and like being quick with that. But I would say strategy wise, we definitely, especially for our clothes, we have to now plan like six to eight months, I would say in advance. Um, and so we definitely start to strategize based on the season of the year and stuff like that. And we have an Excel sheet that helps us kind of organize that. And then honestly, right now, and, and I think we'll plan out future, like farther in the future. We just look at the next month and we, we create like a promo marketing calendar and we look at all of our drop dates, the strategy around them. Okay. If the product doesn't move and the sell through isn't as high as we think it's going to be like, what are our levers? Is it gifting to more people? Is it um, marking them down? Is it doing a special event? Is, whatever it is. So we'll kind of, we'll kind of strategize that way. But a lot of it right now is just kind of based around the framework of our drops. So making sure that our drops are fully supportive, supported, that our photo shoots are great, um, that kind of stuff. And I feel like too, it is, it's so nice now that we have this and we have um, a full-time hire, Claire, who helps us keep every, all of this on track. But at the beginning, like Ken was saying earlier, we were literally filling out of my apartment. We were packing, you know, 500 orders every day. So we couldn't even look at our computer or type an email because we were literally using both of our hands and packing orders and like, dropping them off at the post office. Mm -hmm. So if you're just starting a brand and you're like, Oh, well, that would be nice to do a promotional calendar or have an Excel doc or all of these things. Like we didn't have them for probably the first six months and we're still coming up with new things, Yeah, but we made them all ourselves. Like 
okay, how are we going to all have uh, the notes in our phone that are shared with everyone? Let's make a Google Doc called this week and we'll put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and what we need to do under each day there. You know, so that's I can't believe we didn't have that for like the first year. I know. So it's just kind of Was it just floating in our heads? Yeah, I think we would text each other that day and be like, oh, we said that we were going to go here and then we're going to meet this person. You know, so now it's it's just been refined time after time. Yeah. I think we're going to look back in a few years and and laugh of what we did right now, which I hope that we do. But it is a sweet time of being so small and being able to like, act like we're big and act like a, a company that we want to be, but also be able to do the night before, like, let's give away two tickets to two people who bought today tickets to Paris and see them go there and have so much fun, you know? So I, I like the, the both, the, the balance of spontaneity, but also mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like that you say too, like you mentioned that, you know, half of the stuff you have now, like you didn't have in the first six months. And there's going to be a lot of things that you guys will have in a couple years from now that you didn't have today. Because I think that's kind of the the beauty of like, what a lot of people see on like social media, but then like, don't know, like behind the scenes, like it's very, um, you know, like you guys are packing orders yourself. And like you, you got you go to the post office, and you do all of that. And like, I think a lot of people are not aware of like, that's like the very beginning stage, because, you know, millions over in a million sales, like that's amazing, right. But then they're like, not aware, like you guys are still doing a lot of the hands on work. And I think, that's really important for people to understand, like on any in any early stage of business, like that's what you have to do. And, and speaking of you guys talk about like your product launches, right? And like your drops. Are there any specific marketing strategies that you have learned along the way? Like maybe like one pro tip for anyone, like if they ever want to do their own business or brand, and maybe it revolves around like specific launching, like any tips you would advise, especially because you've had success around that? Yeah. I'm going to lean on you for this because I think so much of it is predicated on social. That's where most of our sales come from. And so but I feel like you're so strategy. I feel like we, we both have. We are. Today. You are. You're just not going to say this is my strategy. But I would, I, what I was going to say, but I was going to let you explain it was um, the, the way that we tease our products and the kind of like imagery and creative that we put out before launch. I think, I think not teasing it for too long. Like if somebody sees your product for a month before you, before you sell it, it's like, Oh, they've seen it so much. Do they really need to buy it? They've had too much time to think about it. If you drop it that day and don't tease it before, there's no like hyper momentum or sense of I need it. And I think you do a really good job at teasing it. We usually tease three to five days before a launch. And um, we do like try on hauls. We'll do um, like a BTS kind of TikTok vibe of the behind the scenes of the photo shoot. Um, What else do we do? I feel like we do a lot of stuff on social. Yeah, and I think just getting that like, Kind of what we've done a lot in our business in all different aspects is trusting our gut. And also like, if we're the customers, what do we want to see? Like if I see something two months in advance and it's pre-order, I personally am never buying it. I'm over it by the time it gets there. Yeah. And if I see it one day before, I don't have enough time to think about it or send it to Kennedy or my sister, like, should I get this? Ask around. So like that five day a week mark is I think perfect for us, which we love. And also we were chatting with another fashion designer that's been in this space for a while. And I think we were talking about how how fashion used to be and how it is now and how it used to be very seasonal. Like there was four seasons in a year and you followed that calendar and you dropped the summer stuff in the summer and the winter stuff in the winter. But now it's kind of like always a kind of a revolving situation. Like there's people that are living everywhere that are traveling to the beach every single yeah. season of the year. There's also people that are in colder weather every season of the year. So kind of leaning on what we're loving 
what we're gravitating towards and then dropping often rather than seasonal, I think has really helped us because it keeps that momentum. Yeah. Having those smaller quantities um, and, and more often collections versus the four collections a year that are huge that have your entire, yeah. you know, season's worth of stuff. Because I don't really shop like that. Neither does Ken. I bet you don't either. Like, I don't get all my summer stuff in April. Oh my gosh, you know? do you remember, like, school shopping? Yeah. Exactly. Like, you get all your stuff anymore. for the school year? Like, yeah. what is that? Yeah, so people, like, you know, like, uh, we shop for the next occasion. Like, Coachella's coming up, then Stagecoach, then your summer vacation. Then the fall is going to roll around and get yeah. warmer. So, like, you are shopping periodically, not in, like, huge... And by the way, we don't always get it right. We're still testing so much. Like yeah. we'll drop shorts and we're like, crap, everyone wanted joggers. The jogger sold out or vice versa. So yeah. we're really just like taking notes and inventory right now of what people are interested in at what time of the season. And obviously so much is driven by trends and what other people are seeing out in the world. So yeah. We're learning a lot. But the two things I would say is frequency, do a high frequency of drops and do lower quantities. Mm -hmm. So you sell louder. And it also helps with sustainability and waste. Like you don't want the typical, you know, warehouse full of the extra stuff that you can sell. Like I'd rather sell it out and then be fresh and ready for the next drop that comes three weeks later. Yeah. Speaking of quantity, how did you guys initially determine like how much to stop? I think that's like a very, I'm intrigued too. Yeah. Like, ooh, that's how much we could afford. It was, everything was based on how much money yeah. we had in the bank. We each put in $10,000 to the business. About $15,000 went towards the original order. 5,000 probably went towards like legal. Um, so it was literally what we could afford. And then we would sell through it and then we'd get more money in the pot. And then we'd be like, all right, how much can we afford? And like still kind of keep going on if that doesn't sell as much as we think it's going to sell. But I feel like it's also factory minimums too. Like some factories yeah, won't take true. an order less than this or less than this. But I would say it was like 200 of each SKUs and we did about five SKUs. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably like a thousand mm-hmm. uh, pieces for our first drop, which totaled to about $15,000. Um, but just ask around too, if you're in the clothing industry, like fa- some factories do take those smaller orders some take you know a thousand is their minimum so you kind of that's a way that's a different challenge that you have to work around but there mm-hmm. it is possible and also if all of your stuff is made at one factory that can add up to meet their minimum so right. yeah how did you guys determine at what point or maybe if you're not already like at what point did you start taking um or like from the profit at what point did you start paying yourself i think that's also something people don't realize like oh, yeah. I, I feel like for me as a business owner a lot of people always think like i'm floating around like with excessive money and as you guys know that is like not the case because you have to invest so much back into your business you have a lot of expenses you have to cover um how did you guys work through that especially in a business partnership and as friends yeah that's a great question we didn't pay ourselves so we launched in November, November, we, we came up with it in July. Our first collection was in November. We quit our jobs by like January, February. And I think we were paying ourselves like $2,000 by like March or April. So we started off, like basically we put everything back into the business and we still put most everything back into the business. And then once we quit our jobs, we're like, okay, we need to like start giving ourselves like some sort of calm. Right. And so Obviously, it's raised since there as we've grown, but it's always been in proportion to the amount that the business is growing mm-hmm. so that we can still be reinvesting. Because at the end of the day, like the way that we look at it too is because it's self-funded. It's like, okay, we believe in ourselves enough that if we don't take a pay for the next year, we know that it's going to pay off in yeah. four years. Mm-hmm. So it's ultimately like whatever the business needs first and then we come second. 
And also like at the beginning, obviously you're going to need to pay yourselves. Thankfully we have other things on the side, like influencer stuff that was, was helpful during that first time because we had outside income, um, which was helpful and made just things not as stressful, you know, like we didn't feel as stressed about everything, but that $2,000, I think just like covers your rent, you know, like that was the first thing. Like, that's what we felt like was good. There was no one told us to do that. We hadn't asked anyone. We were like, that just feels good. Does that feel good to you? That feels good to me. Yeah. Let's do it. And it's raised incrementally since not very much. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think too, that's what we always like. We look at our business as our money and our business, but also not like we spend it like we would a business, not like, Oh, if I don't spend that a thousand dollars on the photo shoot, I'm going to get that in my pocket. We don't look at it like that. We're like, okay, that thousand dollars that I'm going to spend on that photo shoot will help our sales 10 X. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invest that. So I think like just the psychology of money is super interesting and yeah. like putting it into a separate bank account and saying like, that's no longer mine. Yeah. That's, you know, the business is money and I'm, I'm going to see a return at the end, at the very end, yes. but not till the very yeah. end. I think is, is so but then, helpful. At the same ours, time, at the same time, if it was, uh, if somebody, if an investor came in and put the money in, I think it would you feel even more detached. Like I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna start paying myself from the beginning. Like this is yeah. a job for me. I need yeah. to pay myself. Yeah. So it's like that fine balance of what you're saying. And then in addition, like it is our money, it is our time, it is our energy. And, um, just kind of like having both, like being scrappy and staying nimble, but then also investing in the things that are gonna, you're going to see a high yield from. Yeah. It's, it is that like, I think it was perfect how we did it, Yeah, but we literally, we, we asked each other, if we felt like that was a good idea. And the other person said, yes. And we did it. Like we literally didn't even <laughs> ask our parents. Anyone. I, I think we asked a couple of friends. I was like, I mean, do, do you pay yourself? Like, you know, right. cause my other friends have friends and right. they kind of be like, Oh yeah. Or no, or it would just be one person. And so it wasn't right. that complicated. Right. And so I, I don't think it's one shoe fits all. I think too, like um, I'm married as well. Like Ralph has more influencer stuff, but we both kind of are in that space. But like right. I, my husband was like, go for it. Like I believe in you. So I think it's yeah. just like whatever you need. So if I needed more, Ralph would have been like, all right, let's pay ourselves a little yeah, bit more. True. Um, whatever you kind of need to be able to keep doing it because if we're not able to do it, the business isn't going to start. We had to have a full on second job. It yeah. was a nine to five office. Job. Exactly. Obviously we'd have to reevaluate things. But I also think that's interesting what you said about if it's just you and your business, that's where I think it gets tricky because that money or the the business feels yeah. like it's it's all yours and you're spending your money every single time. Like I mean fifteen thousand dollars is a lot of money to spend on a drop and like our drops cost much more than that just to receive the inventory to to give that check away to get the stuff into our office to sell it yeah. and we're confident we can sell it. But like still the, the yeah, fifty grand feels like tons of money. And so if it's coming out of your checking account every single time you do it that like scared factor might grow and grow so I would just say like open a new account it sounds so silly and like a duh but I feel like a lot of people don't like open a new account invest in that don't look at that pay yourself like you would a job you don't look at the job that you work for as financial bank yeah account true every day you know just do it that way I think is so much healthier agreed like, oh my gosh I'm spending this much money today yeah. yeah I really like that you guys mentioned that too because I think there's so many like factors that come into like the, like, again, like the early stage of entrepreneurship and even the first few years, like even five years in, like, this is what a lot of people do. It's very scrappy. And like a lot of people don't know about it. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. I'm curious as well, though, any tips on working with a friend and how do you guys hash out maybe any like conflict, especially in business and like within a friendship and how do you keep that separate? Cause I think 
as we all know, within females, especially it can get catty sometimes like guys, I think are prone to just being super direct with each other and are like, Hey man, like that's not cool. And they like move on a lot quicker, but even just with friendship conflicts, like that's a whole nother level. And then you bring that into business where there's money involved and like, you know, long-term thinking and that's like your career. And that's like ideally going to be something that pays you in the long run. So how, like, was there any system that you guys figured out early on so that you can ensure none of it kind of parlays over into the other relationship? Yeah, uh, I feel like we both have sisters, and I think that's really helped. I have a twin sister, and Ken has a sister that's two years younger than her. Mm -hmm. So we were always around girls, and I'm not a a confrontational person, and I just kind of, like, lead away from conflict. Um, So I've never been in, like, fights with a friend or have cattiness towards a friend. Like, obviously, the the very rare things in middle school or whatever, but I feel like that doesn't really play a part in any friendship that I have um it's like with my twin sister with Kennedy with any other friend um but it it has helped like having an office space and having a hire someone that's between us a third a third person in the office helps because you know just balances things out and I also Mm -hmm. think having an office space that we go into and when we when we're there it's like Ken and Ralph as business partners and then when we leave it's Ken and Ralph as friends um, I think yeah. it really helped. And we're both really good at being like, all right, I'm, we're going to matcha. Like just shut up about the daily drills. Thanks yeah. For a second. Right. It's like easy for us to do that. Like yeah. we switch on and off really quickly. We can compartmentalize. And I also think just kind of going back to your original question of like girls in the workspace versus guys in the workspace. Like we operate very like non-emotional, not that we're not emotional, but like when it comes to business, it's like, what does the business need? Like when we're having a conversation about like whether we should do an event, whether we should do a drop. I'm not like Ralph doesn't like my idea or like whatever. I'm like, Ralph doesn't think that this is going to be the best business decision. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's focus on the business. Obviously. Like I think in all of our like interpersonal like conversations, it's always, I care about Ralph more than I care about the business. So if her feelings are at stake, I'm going to care about that first over the business. But if it's like a cut and dry conversation about making a decision, it's like, what is the business need? And like, and how are we both going to like do our part in pushing that forward? Or if like one of us is slacking, it's not like, Oh, you're slacking. Like you don't, you don't care as much as I do. It's like, okay, well this is hurting the business in this way. So what do we need to do to fill that gap? You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. And also we know each other better. Like there's a bunch of people that are business partners and aren't friends and they've never like hung out or or seen each other sad or happy or have a win or have a loss. And I think it's super cool that we get to see each other in that way too because I'm like oh I know that like that hurt Kennedy's feelings or I know that she doesn't like when someone talks to her like that so then I can be more sensitive to that 100% because I'm her friend too I think it really does help I'm like oh or like I know that this is going on in her family's life or vice versa she knows that this is going on or I have a busy season because of this thing that's happening in my family so I think it just gives you more grace for one another and like easier understanding because it's your friend and it's so much more fun. Like we were just in the Bahamas shooting last week. And it's like, who gets to go to the Bahamas yeah. on a work trip with their best friend? Yeah. You know, it's like so special. I have to pinch myself and like remind myself because usually like a lot of people don't like their coworkers. They don't like their boss. They travel and stay in the dumpy hotel. Like we get, we get to do so much and say yes to so many fun things. And I, I'm like, I'm excited for when we have kids and we get to tell our kids about everything that we got to do because of our business yeah, together. So true. And it's so much more fun to like win with someone else. Like, yeah. like if I was by myself in my house, like, Ooh, that was a fun drop. Like no one's like with me. No one like sees how well it did. You know, yeah. it's just like so much more fun with other people. Agreed.
Yeah. And Kennedy, I like that you said too, that, you know, when it comes to business, it's like more cut and dry, like you're understanding how to be non-emotional in a good way. And when you're having those conversations, because I think that's important as well to understand how to go into business and keep that separate from like overlapping with friendship conversations. I think that is usually the tendency if you're like someone's a beginner or hasn't really thought that through yet on how to keep that separate. I think that's really good advice. So, okay. But now I want to transition into a little bit about your personal lives because um, I did a little digging and obviously Kennedy, you're married, right? And Mary, you are in like a serious relationship, am I assuming? Okay. I feel like a lot of people as well, women especially, we're always wondering how do we keep balance with like career and our friendships and all the relationships in our lives, but especially when you have a romantic partner. And as we know, you know, we get to this age, we start to put more energy into it, our focus, um, you know, our vision for our future, whether we want a family and kids, all of that. How have you guys balanced that in your early 20s, especially for you, Kennedy, before you got married and then how you balance it now? It's a really good question. I feel like I am always kind of redefining what balance looks like. So um, there have definitely been seasons where I have higher capacity. My husband has higher capacity. And then there are seasons where we have a lot going on, especially surrounding our wedding. We had to postpone like four times. And that season was just like crazy. So we didn't have as much capacity for other things. So I think it definitely shifts over time. Like it's not like, oh, we figured out what balance looks like for us. Um, I do think like when we first started dating and stuff, we were definitely like more independent and like the, the more, the longer we are together, the more we like crave spending time together, which is really funny. And the more that we like need that in order to like go back out into the world, especially like with running my own business, I feel like I will get in my head a lot and like question myself. And I have like a few key best friends that really like speak truth and encourage encouragement over me in that. But like, my husband has always been the biggest advocate and encourager. So it's so healthy for me to be around him because he like knows me to my core and will be like, you've got this, like you're stronger than, you know, like this is going to be successful. I'm so proud of you. Like he's very, very, very affirmative because he knows that like that really encourages me. So that's kind of long winded, but I definitely think balance has just shifted over time. He also works a lot too. So just like finding those key moments and date nights to like really um, invest into our relationship because like I'm my best self when my marriage is healthy, you know? And I also do think it's, it's interesting. Justin's her husband's name and Houston's my boyfriend's name. And they're both like the most encouraging, like I mm-hmm. think they're daily drills, biggest fans. Like that's all they wear and all they talk about, which mm-hmm. is so sweet. And like, it is so nice to be surrounded with people like that. Um, but also like, especially with Ken and Justin, my boyfriend works, um, a little more flexible and a little more remote than Justin, but we always like will include them in things like they're invited to events. We just did an event the other night and we invited um, all our, our friends that are influencers and their husbands or their boyfriends like to include them because the guys never get to come to the thing. Um, or if we, we shot in Paris, so we both went, um, it was a long weekend prior. So Ken went to London with Justin and I went to Paris with Houston and then we met up and shot after that. So just like including them in things, I think mm-hmm. makes them feel like, super involved and even it's just fun to include them like it's easy since we are the founders to be able to be Mm -hmm. like mold our schedule to be able to fit that I think is super super special because a lot of jobs like they can't come with you to a day to a day in the life you know yeah totally including them and just letting them see what's happening and what you're doing I think really helps 
Do you have any tips on, because Kennedy, you mentioned that as well, in terms of like in the early stage, you kind of was more independent. Um, reflecting on both of your relationships, do you have any advice on how to, on like the importance of being independent, especially at like before you get too serious or before, you know, you start to like be in that long-term relationship, you know, did that, was that helpful in any way when you reflect on like how you were a few years prior? I loved it personally. Justin and I met two weeks before college, he went to school in Boston. I went to school in LA. So we actually did long distance for four years, stayed together the whole time. I think that really, I don't think everybody obviously has the ability to be like, all right, you're going to be like states away from me. So I think it's definitely like, you have to make more of a conscious choice to have independence or create space for independence when you live close together. Cause I think it would have been harder for us to get time away from each other. But having that distance really gave me like the curiosity and space to understand myself, like what made me tick, what I wanted to do, try new things, say yes to new friends, build community. Um, so like when he moved here, like I feel like I have such a deep community and like so many strong friendships. I've made so many memories in LA that I might not have made separately from him and I know myself so well. So I feel like that also gave, it gives me like the power to be like, here's what I need in order to feel loved versus like if I had always been around him, you know, it's like, right. I didn't get it. I, I think it's really healthy to grow on your own and to understand yourself apart from anybody else and to be curious and um, explore new things, explore like, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like we were able to grow up separately and together at the same time. And that was really, really beautiful. So I would say to anybody who lives in a similar, or like close in close proximity to their boyfriend in the early ages of dating, like obviously enjoy it. And like, if you want to spend every day together, spend every day together. But me personally, for me, especially because I was so young, it was yeah. so healthy for me to yeah. grow in myself and yeah. in a relationship at the same time. Yeah, I love that. I always had long distance boyfriends in college. Like at Houston was my, is my first close distance yeah. boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but I think during, during college, it's so, it's so nice because you're able to create like your own friends, your own yeah. life. And then you get to see each other on the fun weekends and have yeah. that like fun time together. I really do think there's such like a, amazing positive side to dating long distance in college yeah I think it can work but I like that Houston doesn't live states away yeah oh my gosh yeah, yeah. do you guys have any advice on long distance because you guys had both experienced it because I feel like that is especially in my friends like I feel like I've never been in a long distance relationship but I feel like I've always heard people go yeah like it's probably just like not worth it then and I think it's all about like your mindset and experience slash the people you surround yourself with and how they their thoughts on a long distance relationship was there any advice you ever received or any anything you'd advise on from your both of your experience with a long distance relationship I love long distance dating. Honestly, it was great. For right? Like the last few years were really hard. The first few years were great. Justin and I always said trust and communication are the pillars of a long distance relationship. We always went back to that. We always, always, always chose trust and gave each other the benefit of the doubt. So like we, he would literally go to school dances. Like if I couldn't fly in with like his like friends who are girls and yeah. I'd be like, go have a great time. And I gave him like the trust that he needed to like, be present and to like enjoy college at the same time and then right. communication so like we just made sure to like always be checking in with each other we weren't texting all day long but like okay like let's set up a call and not set up a call but you know let's call each other tonight and like <laughs> catch up and like share how our day was or like if you're gonna go out tonight like we'll just do it tomorrow morning so we made sure that like and just like setting expectations through communication like hey I'm going you know I'm gonna go hang out with these girls not that he was always hanging out with girls but I'm gonna go hang out with right. these guys and girls like 
blah, 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 blah. Oh, great. Okay. Have a fun time versus like me seeing on Instagram that it looks like he's with girl. You know what I'm saying? It like right. kind of cleared any air, any space That's for like confusion or mis- mis- misconception. And so like, then we weren't spending our calls being like, well, why didn't you tell me about that? Well, yeah. so if you did, if you did it this time, then what else are you not telling me? We just always chose to fill that space with trust. And then when we were with each other, we were like on cloud nine, cause we were just enjoying each other's presence. Right. I think trust is definitely one. Like, even though I, I dated two guys long distance in college and they didn't work out, like I never regret that because I think it, it created like, okay, I'm not a jealous girlfriend. I'm, I'm a very trustworthy girlfriend. I go into it giving That's them good. the benefit of the doubt. And I felt like I learned that because in long distance you have to be, otherwise you're not, it's not yeah. going to work if you're, that's all you're thinking Or you're about just miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to like live your own life, but also come together, I think creates so much like independence. And when I'm feel like I can be independent, it makes me more confident. And then makes me be able to decide that I want to be in the relationship. Yeah. Versus like, I feel like I'm stuck because I'm dependent on them. Yeah. So just like, I think it really helped me being like 18 and learning all those lessons. And yeah. now I'm able to do that in like my current relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to say, you guys have really healthy mindsets for your relationship because I feel like that's unfortunately definitely a a bad habit or just kind of like the ins- a common insecurity that people don't actually usually have that commu- level of communication and trust. And it's usually a conversation of like, oh, why were you around so-and-so or like what, you know? And so I'm honestly yeah. really impressed. I mean, that's why I was like, I have to ask them about their relationships because I yeah. think that's like a big, you know, big advice for a lot of young women is like you have to learn how to cultivate that trust and cultivate that communication in order to build that trust especially long long distance so I feel like that's super valuable <laughs> and it was good that we we always had like pretty good boyfriends like I feel like no one heard us too much <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah, is yeah. definitely like a privilege to be able to like yeah have that any advice that got you guys through your early 20s it could be like personal could be about a relationship or anything that you feel like ooh, this really hits hits home for me and anything you'd give to younger women in their early twenties. Mine would be, um, probably just like a quote. My mom always said it to me and Ken and I say it now. It's like, say yes often, but say no enough to make your yeses count. I think like that goes Mm -hmm. to going on a date to your business adventures to different classes you'll take in college. I just think like saying yes is so important and being like confident enough to say yes to new things Mm -hmm. and to explore, um, all different, options that you have in college your first time away from the house but also say no yeah. often enough to make them count like don't be the person at every single thing don't say yes to every single date say say yes to most of them but like make your yeses count like don't give them away so freely like it is a big deal and, right yeah um, like learning how to say no gracefully I think is super important like as a young 20-ish girl yeah I love that I don't have like a quote or anything but when I look back on my early twenties, I think I took myself very seriously. And I was, I, I normally have like, I, my temperament is more of like that scarcity mindset. So I've really had to work on being like, no, like it's going to come in due time. It's going to like, you're going to be fine. And so when I was in college, I was already thinking internship leads to job leads to this. Like I had my 10 year plan and I was like, so eager to like get out into the world. And like, I graduated college a little early and all that. And so I think like something that I would tell myself and people who are in their young twenties is like, enjoy it. It's not the peak. Like I, I, I don't think yeah. we've peaked yet. Um, but well, just enjoy it. Like soak it all in. Don't take it all too seriously. <laughs> like it, I, I just think it's easy to like get caught up in like 
okay, well, I'm going to be financially on my own in a year. So I have to have it all together. And it's like, it'll all work out. Like even if you're not in a job that you love right now, like obviously don't sit in it forever, but like, you're going to find a job that you love. And like, I, I mean, for a long time, I was like, I mean, I like, I personally like working. I like working, but I'm not obsessed with any job that I have. I'm not obsessed with any of the products that I'm marketing for. Um, and so like, I kind of was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to like love my job. And like, I love my job. So just trusting that it's all going to work out and you don't have to like be so rigid and like force it all to like fit into its place. Like it'll fit in due time. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. (laughs) Watch the sunset. (laughs) I love that. Um, any book recommendations that you guys have that maybe was transformative for your life or anything that helped maybe in business or just like mindset or anything that you guys personally like to read? Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good question. Uh, I read for fun, honestly. So I feel like most of my recommendations are not like, I don't know, but I have a couple. I need to look at my bookshelf. The tipping point. Okay. That's what it was. The tipping point. I read this in college and it's all about like, psych. I love psychology and it's all about like psychology yeah. and marketing. Have you read it? Malcolm Godwell? No, I super, haven't. Super I, good. I love like, um, but okay. it basically just like helps you understand like your audiences and like, uh, like your mm-hmm. consumers and the different kinds of consumers and how to kind of capitalize that on, on that. And then there's another book and I'm totally, it's, going to come to me after we finish this podcast, but my old boss <laughs> gave it to me as like my first week gift and wrote in it. Um, Ooh. and it's all about marketing as well, but I'm not gonna be able to share that yeah. right now. So <laughs> <laughs> mine would be, you know, mine. love does by Bob Goff. I don't, I don't read too, too much. I wish I did read more, but I love Bob Goff. He's like mm-hmm. a Christian writer. He wouldn't even call himself a mm-hmm. Christian writer, but he is. Um, and he just makes like huge concepts about like love and friendship and helping others seem so, so simple and easy. And his stories are crazy. And like his perspective on life is inspiring. So like love does is my favorite book. Ooh, those are good. I definitely, I definitely want to check those out. I'm, I'm such a reader. So I always like, I, like for what fulfills you, like the community on the podcast. Um, we have, I, I do a little section on Instagram where like I share book reads yeah. and like, so now lately I always ask like, um, you know, my guests like, Oh, what are you guys reading? Or what have you read in the past? And I feel like people always love a good book rec, yeah. especially if it's like not in their comfort zone. Yeah. So, okay. I think I it's that. called, it starts with why. That's what it is called. Yeah, that's the other day. Yeah. yeah. So it's like understanding your why. Like, why am I doing this? Like, okay, we're gonna spend oh, this much a- money on this event. What's the why behind it? But not just like mm. and you get so like you get very habitual in marketing. And you're like, well, we always do it. And it's like, well, why right. why are we doing it? And what's the outcome? And are we actually tracking like the KPIs on it? Yeah. We gotta read that so, together. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good. Um, okay, well, last question, something I ask everyone on this show, but what fulfills each of you in life? I love that you asked this because Ralph was like, we're going to be on what fulfills you tomorrow. Um, do you know what fulfills you? And I was like, that's a really loaded question. So I actually had a second to think about it. Um, I knew you were going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Um, I don't think aside from God, like I'm, I'm a believer. Um, I think God is like the ultimate fulfillment and like gives you the ultimate fulfillment. Obviously the feeling of fulfillment comes and goes. And I think like there's not one thing like my husband doesn't fulfill me. My job doesn't fulfill me. If my friends, my family, like they're, they all add to fulfillment and they all add to like purpose and like peace and joy and happiness, but they don't like entirely fulfill me. Um, I think the only like thing that really fulfills me is God because like he and his nature is per- he, 
it, whatever is perfect. Um, and like constant and consistent and it's reliable. And as humans, we're all like faulty creatures. And so like, I can't, if, if I put all my fulfillment in my husband and he lets me down, that's going to be like soul crushing. If I put all my fulfillment in my work and my, my, my business doesn't take off how I hope it to, like, yeah. that's like, that's like strips you of your security. And I think like putting your security and your faith in something greater than you is just so powerful and so fulfilling. Yeah. I think when we were talking about it yesterday, you were like, well, that, that question is too crazy. Like there's not one thing that does. And I think that that's like the beauty of it. Obviously God's the cliche answer, but for both of us, I think it's the true answer. Um, but also I think that God puts a lot of things in your life, like to increase that fulfillment and to like help with that. Like even as small as a sunset to as big as like a family and your significant other and like a job that he knows that like you're super excited about and you've worked hard for. I think the whole scheme really does like increase that fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I know it's it's a loaded question, but I always love asking that because I think a lot of people over time, especially when you have experienced a lot of different like, you know, aspects of life, like if you recognize and you look back and you realize like it's it's a holistic perspective of life. It's like the people and, you know, your faith that that's part of it and and just like the holistic aspect instead of just one area of life, especially for those, especially today's culture, that's a little bit like hustle culture and focused on, you know, success. But like at the end of the day, it's like, what does success mean? Mean, you know, without the people or, or without certain elements yeah. of, you know, the simple things in life. So I like that you guys said that. <laughs> yeah, I love, it. I love it. Amazing. Well, where can everyone find you guys individually as well as the brand and any upcoming, I guess, launches? Well, I'm um, at Mary Ralph on Instagram. I'm at Kennedy Critchlow. Okay. Daily Drills is at Daily Drills on Instagram and shopdailydrills.com. And our next launch is at the end of the month, at the end of April. Ooh. And it's, it's our new category that we're launching. And the reason why we're, why we're very tan right now, if that's a good hint, um, Ooh. So we're very excited. <laughs> so exciting. I think your guys' episode will drop around that time. So it'll be good timing as well. Yay. Yay. Thank awesome. you so much for having us. And that was all for today's episode with the co-founders of Daily Drills. I hope you guys found value in this conversation as always and enjoyed it, especially because I feel like this was a mix of business talk, life talk, but also just some fun 20-some-year-old girls just chatting it up. And that reminds me, I feel like I need to do a raw talk conversation one of these days. Um, I used to do that more frequently, and I do know a lot of you guys love just those raw conversations with 20-some-year-olds, so we'll definitely bring that back very soon. But if you enjoyed this episode, as always, please share on your Instagram story and tag all of our Instagrams, which you can find in the show notes. And if you're curious to check out the Daily Drills pieces, you can find all of that on their website. Again, everything is linked in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all next time.